Welcome to TSE Pods. Today we will have a new series that titled Icon to the Rescue. In this series, we will talk about the world crisis that happen in many aspects and competition within countries, and it tends to lead into economic convergence. The process continues as different countries' economies become more similar or related. And in this episode, we will talk about the bank, the banking dominoes. It is about the unraveling Western collapse and Asia's ripple effect on it. So. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us in Econ to the Rescue Economic Matters. Hello, I'm Ellie Opelia. I came from Indonesia and I took economic development as my major now. I took my bachelor degree in business management in Taiwan in one of the private university here. I guess that's all about me. Thank you. Uh, hello, I'm Sasita Hansaka. I'm from Sri Lanka, and I'm a second-year master's student of Taipei School of Economics and Political Science. Uh, I did my bachelor's in economics, and I work as a research assistant for a think tank in my country. I'm Quinton Kuo, Guo Kui Jun. I am a poli sci student, an Australian lawyer, and a bachelor in majoring in nanotechnology. I I studied this course because I enjoy observing the political issues around the world, uh, which impacts daily life, and I would like to investigate why it is and what made it be. Uh, great. Okay, so today we're going to talk about the Silicon Valley Bank collapse and their two friends, Signature Bank and First Republic Bank, and how it kind of rippled on to Credit Suisse and whether or not we think maybe it'll affect Asia and um, yeah well let's let's talk about it uh, yes Quinton three major banks in US fell amid fears of everyone also it followed up by a giant fell in Switzerland Credit Suisse uh, like people worried that it would be as bad as 2008 uh, financial crisis and similarly the government had to rescue but this was wasn't as bad as the 2008 crisis because government somehow could help the could rescue these banks uh, so did, did they yeah, rescue yeah the, they, they had these to, banks yeah they had to uh, make rescue deals with the fed, federal government uh, and somehow they bailed out they were they were bailed out by the government so it, in that way it's similar to 2008 financial crisis uh, but the reasons as i think as i see are much different than 2008 credit uh, crisis uh, so as according to my view i think most uh, the major issue for this crisis is the sudden uh, increase of the in interest rate uh, so, U.S. keep their interest rate as very low. Then suddenly, to fight the inflation, they increase their interest rate. They just went skyrocketing. Yeah, they skyrocketed yeah. interest rate. So at that point, the in Silicon Valley Bank is was supporting the uh, tech startup mostly. So those startups yeah. they couldn't finance their activities at, at least like to repair the debts. Uh, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. So they yeah. couldn't really. Uh, so they defaulted. Yeah. Uh, then, mostly they they wanted to use their deposits for their activity day to day activities. Oh, okay. So they went to uh, Silicon Valley Bank, which uh, they had their deposits. Uh, they, then they keep uh, withdrawing their deposit and Silicon Valley, that's another reason, another thing I want to mention is after the interest rate increase, the bond, government bond values were, values of the government bonds were decreased because they were bought by Silicon Valley Bank at a low interest rate. Now, oh, now yeah. once the uh, interest rate increased, the new bonds have a better value, mm -hmm. so the bonds they have, their value decreased. Yeah. So, the, to facilitate these uh, withdrawals, uh, Silicon Valley Bank had to s sell their uh, bonds at a lower price, marking them as a loss. Mm -hmm. So this further worsened the case, and p speculators uh, look at their uh, share value goes down, and they keep uh, taking their deposits back to them. Um, mm -hmm. So this was the major reason, as I think, happened for Silicon Valley Bank um, and Signature Bank, First Republic Bank. I think most of them were because of the herd mentality. People try to take their credit, their you know, uh, deposits back. It was uh, it was like quite popular news um, in those days, and um, there were like episodes made. Um, on TV, which interviewed people, I remember, um, like lining outside of these banks saying, you know, what are you here for? And they're like, I'm getting my money out because I hear that they're gonna, if I don't do it now, I won't get my money out anymore. Yeah. There was panic withdrawals. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then later on, um, the, uh, the, the authority governing these banks the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. FDIC. Yeah, they intervened, FDIC. And um, I think they struck, well, they went to receivership or, or somehow taking custody of the banks, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, they, they basically froze all the deposits um, so to stop people withdrawing and devaluing yeah. these um, commercial or uh, would that would they be commercial or retail? I think it's most commercial. Commercial, right? and yeah. yeah, and most of the deposits like only insured up to two hundred fifty thousand USD. Yeah, quarter million. Yeah. yeah. So people like most of those uh, investors, as in like depositors, they had more than that. They were like mm -hmm. Silicon Valley tech startups. They had more than that, so they were very panicked about that. So yeah. So do you think, is it significance of like one person failure? They're like, is it like because of a lot of people invest in this bank or is it just because one person have a lot of asset in that bank? No, it was, uh, I'm, I'm not quite sure. I think it's because like imagine yourself having, you know, uh, let's say you have a million dollars in the bank and then one day uh, the bank, you hear rumors that the bank is closing down or you needed that money mm -hmm. and by the time you withdrew it or you you just couldn't take it out anymore because the bank would say no naturally if you wanted to withdraw a big lump sum of money the banks would stop you <laughs> but this time they were for real they couldn't stop they they're stopping you because you know the regulations telling them to stop you right and 
that's even worse. And you know, keen investors who bank with these banks um, with that much money would definitely smell something wrong. Yeah, and also the Silicon Valley Bank, right before they collapsed, for eight months they didn't have a risk management. Uh, the main mm. major guy, he wasn't there. So, and also what I think is because one of the main reasons they lose, they lost money was the bond value fails, right? Yeah. So their investments were not diversified enough to manage the risk. Oh yeah, yeah. I think they had um, a hiatus of um, that compliance guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because each bank had to assign a, a compliance guy, and this guy, uh, the person who was supposed to be on this job, I think, quit like a year ago or something. Like for for a long time, let's yeah, say, just yeah. for a long time. For a long time. And so you know. The bank should really not be running was one of the comments. Yeah, like, <laughs> one of the major guys, right? Like risk yeah, management is yeah. one of the major things. Yeah, and this was, I think, after like two turnovers of the compliance guy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Imagine if your bank ran like that. Yeah. yeah. So I guess diversified also one of the reasons, right? So do you think Silicon Valley Bank is less diversified than other banks in America? Mm, I'm not quite sure, but... Uh, when I look at the numbers, I can't remember exact numbers, but the value, the the amount they lost just because of the uh, decrease of bond values was like so big. Yeah, too big, and they had to sell their bonds at the lower price. The market tried to repay what they can because they, people keep coming, uh, kept coming to take their money back. So they had to sell. So I mean, if they had more diversified or other places, they could have sold those, right? But as I yeah. as I saw, there was nothing like that. Um, and I think uh, U.S. after 2008 financial crisis, they tried. The most of the blame was went to blame went to the uh, regulators, uh, one who uh, ranked the credit rankers. Uh, they didn't rank the stocks well like that so I think I thought US learned the lesson but I, from what we see uh, we see like the major banks like Silicon Valley Bank which kind of runs the Silicon Valley uh, which is a major part of American economy uh, still were not regulated enough uh, if they if the top managers were not there that's just what I think that's my take of that yeah yeah but they're not ranking like these were treasury bonds, weren't they? Uh, they were like they weren't even like um, uh, crappy stocks bunched together yeah. and no, debted yeah. together to sell together at triple A rating. Yeah, they yeah. were just you know U.S. treasury I bonds, know. right? I'm talking about I talked about the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah, right. So that, that was the, uh, so the regulation is different because yeah. uh, coming from a legal yeah, background. Yeah, now it should, they diff- should speculate like how banks work, right? Yeah. Do they have the standards? Like, I, I don't think a bank can run if they don't have a risk management team. Can, should they? Yeah. Like that. There should oh, be like they are not careful enough. Yeah, even yeah, they yeah, have yeah. yeah. I guess this is yeah. like traditionally um, governments were really scared of banks not having enough money yes. in their yeah. bank to, I think, to, to leverage it 22 times. At least that's on my credit card mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> of their actual... Uh, income or deposit, right? Um, but now they have to go a step further to say, okay, let's look at your portfolio. And if you don't have the proper people, proper portfolio, 
then we'll have to force you to um, close down. But then there's also no, not such a strong self-reporting regime, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's how they probably slipped through the cracks. Yeah, yeah which is very common in any country yeah. around the world. Yeah, that was my next question too. Like, do you think something like this could happen in Asia? And like, what's the effect of this in Asia? Yeah, funny you say that. It first went to um, Europe, right? Yeah. So I think Ellie has something on this. I guess what will happen in Asia will be not that big like in America. Like it will have some not direct effect, but it can happen. Like like what happened in 2008 is that actually everything is okay in Asia and then suddenly it happened in America and everything is getting the ripple effect. So what do you guys think? Well, um, to kind of answer my own question, you went to Europe first. Um, I think it's because uh, all of the money around the world kind of goes to um, the safe havens, mm -hmm. which, yeah, Switzerland is a big banking nation. And um, I believe they lost a lot of money because of this and also because Credit Suisse was was not properly managed to to a profit. So it actually underwent many reviews and um, I think buyouts initially until the time that you know this this crisis happened so SVB uh, SB and First Republic Bank they all went bust and somehow it rippled onto Credit Suisse because people the saying is that if you're so rich to bank with SVB then you probably have some banking <laughs> in Credit Suisse um, so it just rippled on. And then with that ripple, um, they had no choice but to, uh, well, the government had no choice but to intervene. So I think they strong-armed, all the rumor is that they strong-armed uh, UBS to buy out and or merge with Credit Suisse so that they can keep that, um, that ball running. Yeah, so talk about the impact on Asian economy. I don't think I mean, as according to most uh, analysts, uh, there won't be a major impact on Asian banking like with this with this event, uh, because uh, then about uh, ninety percent of Asian banks are funded by domestic loans. So the the credit crunch in West won't directly impact Asian banks uh, in the si similar manner. Uh, but in terms of economic activities, uh, there can be an indirect impact. What do you think about that, Quinter? Yeah, um, it will definitely impact the global um, economic activities, especially if, say, um, I ran a business, I sell T-shirts, mm -hmm. um, I want to sell to somewhere in Europe, say, Germany and it has to go through, and my trusted bank is UBS or Credit Suisse, then you know, they're, they're probably not gonna pay out of that because of the issues. Because um, they've got a hedge whether or not it's worthwhile paying out of UBS or Credit Suisse, right? So 
they have to at least spend what three hours <laughs> wondering whether or not to pay me out of there or through Germany wire money to me um, from some other bank to Taiwan and that is transactional and time delay which uh, translates into slowed down uh, cash flow right mm -hmm. and that will in turn um, make my bank unhappy because if I have a commercial loan then they will be looking at my accounts receivables before they want to extend or continue that loan with me. So then my suppliers will be a bit unhappy because I'm going to tell them I have to pay them a day late or two days late, um, things like that. And that will definitely knock on. Correct? Yeah, Agree? Yeah. Yep. So uh, we can say like Asia is for now insulated, but it's not immune for the similar crisis, right? Yeah, I think it will slow down, but won't crash. <sighs> okay, guys, but I'm still confused and maybe our opinion can be wrong or inaccurate. So let's ask the big guy. Next time we can talk to our professor about it, about the collapse, about the Asia effect, or anything of reason behind this event. Okay, so let's see the next episodes. This is the end of our episode. If you want more from us, Sasita Ellie Quinton, leave a message with us. We'll Appreciate it if you subscribe and follow us at NTHU TSE Pots. Bye.